Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We're going to discuss the sin episode. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break down the episode so you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. I'm Pastor Jonathan. I'm here with Pastor Joel. Hey, Pastor Joel. Hey, how's it going? Great. Uh, nice job on the sin episode. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the the questions and setting it up. That was uh, a great great episode. It was it's such an important topic at multiple levels. Yeah, what did you what did you think of the episode? What are your initial thoughts? Yeah, I think what's interesting is we we really already have covered how to deal with sin. You know, fundamental Christianity, right? Mm. Oh yeah, sure. That's really how you how you deal with sin in your life. Take take direction from God. When you don't, confess and repent. But what this episode did is it really exposed one of the reasons why sin isn't dealt with the right way. And it's because we don't have a standard for sin in the, in the church. Our, or the standard we do have is flawed because it treats everybody the same. It actually, it, it's funny because, well, maybe not funny, but I find it interesting that Jesus fulfilled the law, yet so often it seems like we are still trying to put laws on everybody in order to prove whether or not someone's sinning or whether or not they're a Christian. And, th- and that's where one of the flaws in the law, not on God's part in it, but in our part is it did treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. And it didn't necessarily, it didn't always account for the how and why behind the person with the behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like Christians are doing today. So what's great, I think uh, I'm definitely seeing why it was important to do the faith episode before this one, which Pastor Tater named. And uh, I thought I thought him, sh- once again, you know, going through the restoration process and his phone calls, he's sharing the definition of, of sin with us before we could even get to it. And, and really, because that's the definition of sin, anything done apart from faith. If I don't understand faith, I'm not going to understand sin. Right. And if I think faith is a belief in something that doesn't make sense or a belief in something that's impossible, then that really makes sin even more confusing. Right. Anything done apart from something that doesn't make sense. I don't know. So yeah, I think the progression of these episodes was great. I think, um, it, it was a, it was fun. I mean, as, as much of a bummer as it is to talk about sin, I feel like if, if you handle it the way we did, it's, it's actually a pretty cool topic to, to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. Can you give an overview of the strict side and the loose side or the, the limitation and the freedom side of the argument? Yeah. yeah so the, the strict or the limitation side is, defined by miss the mark and we saw the standard here is really what i said earlier it's like implementing a law on people again Mm -hmm. so and that's why we would call it the strict side because you would see these more legalistic style of of uh belief systems would be on the strict side and they would have a list of behaviors that you can or shouldn't that you can do or that you shouldn't do. We also call it the limitation side because it's the side that emphasizes 
all of these limitations, not just one limitation, but a bunch, multiple limitations. And that's the miss the mark. So you miss the mark. What's that look like? Like an archery bullseye? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Right? So, so yep. if you, you need to, you need to hit the bullseye and anything outside the bullseye is sin. But how do we measure that? Right. Are we accounting for how the archer is holding their bow and arrow? The intent they have? Are we accounting for the thought process of the person with the bow and arrow before they shoot the arrow? Or are we only looking at the target? Are right. we only looking at where it lands? You know, we're not accounting for maybe the person was never taught how to look down the sight of the arrow. Well, would that person have a good excuse as to why they missed the mark? I think so. Hmm. Then the loose side or the freedom side, which is no limitations at all, right? No rules. Hey, we don't sin anymore. We've been, you know, we have been made righteous. We've been declared holy. And if you don't think that's true, then you must not really understand or have embraced the power of God. Hmm. Which what we see on the loose side, the freedom side is really, it, it tends to be these type, these people with the thought process where they're trying to remove the responsibility from their own life. So, you know what, I'll tell you what, it feels great in the short term to tell myself, I don't sin. I'm righteous. Right. That can feel really encouraging until the moment somebody does something wrong against me. Even a Christian does something wrong against me. The, the problem here where the contradiction lies is if, if I also don't give that same mercy to the people who sin against me and say, well, no, that wasn't, that must not have been sin because they're a Christian and they're righteous. So I remove my ability to ever be upset at a Christian who sins against me if I believe this. So oftentimes how this comes out is the people on the strict side are going to be, if you've been hurt by someone who's on the strict side, it's usually because someone's judged you for something that you've done. Right. Like on that strict side in this, they said the mark was no tattoos and you got a tattoo so therefore you're a sinner. Yeah. And so that's where people feel really judged by other people is, and they've been hurt by someone being judgmental. Right. And so it's possible that if they feel kind of tweaky and unsettled about a judgment that someone made on them, it's potentially because someone had that missing the mark definition. And then that mark, that target of what they should be doing was placed onto them. Right. So that's where you can kind of like, if someone's been hurt by that side, you can ask them what, what was the mark? What, you know, again, like when someone comes to us from that strict perspective, we want them to show us the Bible, show us the passage, show us what you mean by this. Absolutely. And, and I've done that too. And, and I'll, and I'll say this too, this, this, this side of the argument, the strict side, 
the issues a lot of Bible scholars have with this, with, with anything done apart from faith, is I've heard it said that, Joel, what you're saying is there's not an objective standard for sin. Mm. Like mm-hmm. the law, like the Ten Commandments was an objective standard that everybody had to live according to, right? Right, right. And and when I say sin is different for me than it is for you, you're like I've been projected on as saying there's not an objective standard then. But that's actually a, a projection and a judgment on me. It's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. The standard is my faith. There is an objective standard, but that objective standard only applies to the individuals. Because our faith, no one has the same level of faith. Mm. So what is sin for me isn't necessarily sin for you. And where this gets dodgy, because I've had people do this, like, okay, Joel, well, then what about Romans 2, 29 through 32? This list of sins, are you saying this doesn't apply to everybody? You know, it says, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, etc., etc., etc. Here's an objective standard that's true for everybody, Joel. And I'd say, yes, you're right. If I backbite, and if you backbite, that is sin for both of us. However, what backbiting is for me and what backbiting is for you might be different. Oh, that's so good. Oh, man. Okay. So this list, this is a list of sins. It is. And it does apply to everybody. But if all I do is look at the result or the behavior, I'm missing the point here. Because here's a good example that I've been taught. Mm. One of my great leader women friends shared this with me. Because she had a similar conversation about sin with one of these so-called biblical scholars in the past. She said, well, okay, for instance, if two women are wearing lipstick, they may not be doing it for the same reason. Would you say it would be sin for one woman to do it because she wants to seduce a man at the, at the pub later on that night? Mm. Well, yeah, that would be sin. And then the, another woman who let's even say is wearing the exact same kind of lipstick and it looks the same, but she's doing it because she has a job interview and wants to look her best to get the job that she's going for. Would that be sin? Oh man. No, no way. But the behavior is the same. So that's the issue of the, these lists of behaviors we see in Romans two are absolutely sin. But if I only look at the behavior and I don't give the person the ability to say, yeah, but this thing that I was doing was for this reason or I didn't know any better or whatever, we're giving people the opportunity to account for their how and why. We're missing the point that really that Paul made in Romans 14 and that James made in his, in his letter about what sin is and how the faith of the individual the understanding and experience of the individual also plays a part. Yes, sin does 
mean the behavior as well, but not only the behavior. Right. So behavior. So so full of envy, envy. So we have we have friends that have a pool. Yeah. Right. So we come over, we see their pool and we go, you know, and I say, man, I love your pool. You know, and then someone else says, I love their pool. You know, I love your pool. And within me, when I said that, I was envious right. of their pool. And that those words that came out of me were from this place of envy. Yeah. Versus someone could say those exact same things and they could be, you know, affirming or expressing that they like the pool. Absolutely. So what someone does is someone says, you should not say that you love their pool. You shouldn't say that you right. like their pool because that's being envious. Right. And you're applying that, that one behavior from that one person who was envious is now applied to everybody. Right. But not only that, the issue is uh, we're, we're also limiting on what this looks like by, so you have an example of someone being envious of a pool the the how and why is envy the what is i love your pool mm -hmm. i could be envious of your car right and say i love your car now we're both sinning the same but what it looks like is different because yeah. what i'm saying is i love your car and what you're saying is i love your pool right that's another way this gets when when we don't account so the point is we need to account not only for the what but for the how and why and not, we need to account for the how and why and the what. So it, it doesn't go only focus on the how and why. And it doesn't go only focus on the what. It's all of them. Wow. So it is. It could be. So I could say, man, that pool is such a joke. You know, I could say, ugh, that pool is so small. Or, man, that pool should be a lot bigger. And it would be a lot cooler. And it could be... You could say the pool's awesome. I could say it sucks. And they could both come from a place of envy. Yes. Yes. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So how do you, how, how would you, so, okay, honestly, it's like, this is mind blowing because you're going right past like this, what, like what yeah. is coming out of someone is not what you're saying matters. Right. Well, how do I find, so how do I find that out? Because man, I tell you what, it's so much easier for me to say, you know, when someone affirms me or someone says something nice about me, that that's coming from a good place. Right. Versus, you know, a deceitful place. So what do we do yeah. with the job that God has given us to point out sin in everybody's life? <laughs> <laughs> Joel and Jonathan, you're making my job of being the sin hunter really hard. The sin hunter. <laughs> you want to know how we deal with this? When I sin, I confess and repent. Mm -hmm. If you're sinning, if it's not, a, if, if you trespass against me, then I confront you. Yeah. If you say something nice to me and your intentions are poor, what do I care? Mm -hmm. If I, if I think you're affirming me and I take it as an affirmation, man, I do have a nice pool. <laughs> Thanks, man. 
what would I like? Why, why do I care? Hmm. Because I should trust that if you're a believer and you did something with a wrong, how and why you did something apart from faith that the Holy spirit's going to convict you and you're going to handle it the way you need to. So what if I do feel like you said something, you know, envious or, or deceitful, like, and I are proud or boasting. What, 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 what do I do? How do I handle that? How would I handle that the right way or the safe way? This goes back. We've covered this. It's Matthew 18. If I feel like you've acted envious towards me or prideful or boastful or backbiting or any of those lists, my job isn't to judge you for it. And that's the big issue we're dealing with. Like you even named it. What if it's, what if it's not to me though? Like I'm watching you say something. So let's say pastor Joel, I watch you say something to someone else and it's not to me. And I feel like that was proud. What should I, what should I do? Cause uh, there is one option of I can let it go. Right. And just say, you know what? The Holy spirit's going to work on you if it's sinful, mm-hmm. is there something else that I could do? Yeah. I mean, you'd always have the ability to just ask me, why'd you say that? <laughs> right. That's it. And again, it's because we're not judging each other. Wow. Yeah. But it's like, Hey, why'd you say, why'd you say nice pool? Cause I know you and you got pool damage, buddy. <laughs> pool damage. Nice. Some vi- I'm vibing some envy here. Huh? But but it so it, it's all about how we approach people. It's all about, you know, yeah, if you're not sinning right towards me, but I see you sinning against somebody else, does that mean now I have the right to judge you for it? Right. I essentially handle it the same way. The Matthew 18 process essentially covers this too. Yeah, it does. Where you didn't trespass against me. That doesn't mean I can't go to you and ask you to explain yourself. And hear you, right? Yeah, and just... And hear you, because the Matthew 18 process does not account for repentance or judgment. No. It's just about communication. Mm. Matthew 18 is really just showing us. So just because Matthew 18 says, if a brother trespasses against you, go to him and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained a brother. Wouldn't that mean, all right, if Jesus is telling us that once someone sins against me, I can go to that person and ask them about it and get understanding. Wouldn't that mean in every other situation where there isn't sin, I can still go in a less tense situation to my brother and say, Hey, can you help me understand this thing you said? Hey, I saw you interacting with Eric. Can you help me understand why you said that? Mm. Hey, is that something you're going to talk to Eric about? Mm. These are questions. I'm, I'm, there's no judgment. I'm just trying to gain understanding. That's so good, man. So I think Matthew 18 is just an application of how to deal with a trespass, right? Yeah, it is. This is how we deal with it. But the principles that are underlying Matthew 18 actually show us the right way to communicate with regardless of context. Nice. Yeah. Try, try to understand the person. Oh man. Be focused on hearing, hearing people Hear, Yeah. Hear the person. And if, and if that's my approach, I'm not going to hurt people. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to damage. I'm not going to be destructive. If my approach is truly to understand another person, mm-hmm. 
it's for their benefit. It actually, I could argue if I'm doing it without expectation, it's in love then. So that would be the Matthew 18 is a contextual process. Yeah, right. The underlying doctrine actually shows us the right way to communicate with people in every context. Well, that makes sense. It does. It, it goes, it goes beyond trespasses. Right. And actually, you know, and Jesus talks about this. You could even say the same thing. A lot of what we're talking about right now mm-hmm. to me reminds me of Matthew chapter seven, you know, mm. take the, take the beam out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brothers. Nice. Yeah. Seek first to find, we talked about seeking first to find the sin in our own lives before yeah. we're trying to find it in others. Yeah. But the same thing that Matthew seven starts with judge not. Right. So the point there is helping each other. Nice. The underlying themes here, the doctrine that are underlying these things is about understanding and helping other people. Yeah. And so often why people have been hurt. Cause we're still on the strict side of this. You nailed it. How are people being hurt by this? It's not the, it, it's the person who, is being judged that's being hurt it's the christians who are looking at a person's behavior and saying you missed the mark buddy you're wrong you're a sinner the problem is another problem is if that person if that christian who's judging that person is wrong about that behavior you could be reinforcing the beliefs in this other person who may be weaker in the faith than you Hmm. creating flawed beliefs now this person has undeserved guilt they start feeling guilty over areas they shouldn't feel guilty about Mm. based on flawed beliefs and now the problems are multiplying and and just compiling on each other wow that went somewhere deep huh yeah dude oh that is so awesome oh man i'm just like again reinforcing this idea like let's go past someone's behavior. And it is, I'm just reminded of that passage. Like God sees, God looks on the heart. We don't do that. Like our, our intentions, our how and why for doing what it is that we're doing. So Jesus sets up all these things we can do, all these guidelines we can follow in order to help us get to that. Because we don't see it, we have to take an extra step that Jesus might not have to. Which does actually help us build community. Oh, totally. And get to know each other. And we all value things uniquely and interact uniquely. Like when I, you know, I can say a joke and it's, you know, if let's say, you know, uh, Associate Pastor Simon can say a joke and it's funny and it's coming from a good place. And I could say the same joke and that's coming from a bad place. You right. know? And, but, that's, and we talked about that in the swearing yeah. episode. That was very much what that one was about. Right. You look at the drinking, swearing, smoking are all actually episodes that absolutely fit with what we're talking about today yeah and are actually what we're doing in the ultimate answer in all of those episodes actually we're applying the definition of what sin is to these so because really the ultimate answer in all those episodes is you can drink if it's a benefit for the other person we're talking about 
that wouldn't be you doing something apart from your faith. So it all is fitting together. All of these doctrine are coming together. The puzzles getting clear. And the more of these pieces we have, the more clear it's becoming. And we're seeing that with pastor Tater, the more doctrine he's getting from God's perspective, the more all these other doctrine are starting to make more sense as well. Yeah. He's borderline turning into another host on our, uh, Mm -hmm. on our podcast. Yeah, he is. So can we go through these, the three categories of people from the perspective of self-esteem, Pastor Joel? Yes, we can. So the, the first group of people, really, if we look at this from self-esteem, a lot of people with, with self-esteem, an easy way to, to measure it is how do they handle being wrong? Nice. And with sin, that's, you know, a really easy application there. So you can essentially see this. The people with low self-esteem are the people who are essentially saying, I'm never wrong. Mm. And we see the problem there is people who don't want to, or even are able to see or admit where they're wrong are also the same people who tend to be pointing out other people's wrongdoing. So that's where mm. this contradiction and, and then therefore possible depression comes as an effect but that would be an easy way to see that low self-esteem because the way i feel about who i am is measured based on how right i am i can't i don't sin and if you point it out in me it's going to make me feel really bad about who i am Mm. you know people even if you confront them in love are oftentimes going to be accusing you of attacking them you're putting me in a corner I feel attacked. I don't want to answer your questions. It's like, okay. The mid self-esteem, these are the people we understand why they do what they do. As far as where, like these people know they're wrong. And, and that's not the issue, like with the low self-esteem people, but these people have a hard time and, and may struggle with what, what do I need to do to become more right? And so they they do have this gap of understanding and maybe this gap of experience, but where the gap doesn't exist anymore with these people is these are going to be people who, who are at least they know they're not going to be people who deny that they have sin in their life. Mm. Like, yeah, I sin. Mm-hmm. What's weird about this is the higher self-esteem you get, the more willing and able you are to see the sin in your life. You'd think it would be the opposite, right? Right. People with high self-esteem don't deal with sin anymore. No, the people with high self-esteem now are the people who are like, yeah, I know I sin. I know you sin. I know how to deal with it too. And you know what? Because I have sin in my life, you know, I, I agree with the apostle Paul, you know, these things I do, it's the sin in me. Not that I'm not accountable for it. Not that I have an excuse to not deal with it. The point being the sin in my life is not who God created me to be. It's still something I'm responsible for, still something I will have to answer for, but it's not the soul that I have. Mm-hmm. Who I am and the sin in my life are two different things. Uh-huh. I am not my sin. And high self-esteem people recognize that. Mm. So the more, so it's almost like, the higher self-esteem we have, seemingly the more sensitive we're going to be to the sin in our lives. And it's going to seem to be coming out more. 
Is that right? Yeah, there's this kind of paradox that happens. The closer we get to God, the more sin we we see in our lives. Yeah. But also the more sin we're removing. Right. So the holier I become, the more I recognize the sin in my life. So that's yeah. the paradox. <laughs> Wait a it minute. It feels like I'm getting further away than getting closer. It does. It does. But then your response to that sin gets you even closer. Right. <laughs> but on that journey to closer, you're seeing more sin. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Wouldn't that be amazing if, if people had that mentality in church where oh, they're like, Oh man, so much sin. Hooray. Is, I'm wrong again. Yeah, exactly. Right? And this is a, we're making progress towards God now. It's like, I know that I'm, I'm getting closer to him because all of this stuff is exposing being exposed in me and I'm not discouraged by it. No, I confess and repent more now than I did when I was in, when I was a young believer. Yeah. That's like when situations come up, I'm not necessarily like taking an action and causing a massive amount of damage. Right. That sin I feel like can come out and I can almost like see it in my thought process and go, whoa yep why why was i going down that road that was bad road right and i feel that and i feel like guilt over that and instead of going oh man i can't believe i'm still struggling with this i confess and repent absolutely turn it around yeah so what is the what is our conjunctive conjunctive right we have the freedom side and one limitation this one is The Bible says it. This is Pastor Tater. Thank you again. Anything done, that's the freedom. Mm -hmm. Any what? Any what, right. Apart from faith. And this would be the how and why. Or, you know, the application of this conjunctive is from James. Anyone who knows to do good and does it not. To him, it is sin. So that's a great, again, just like with the faith episode, we had this amazing definition given in scripture and then this amazing application. We have the same with sin. There's this amazing definition, anything done apart from faith, Mm -hmm. and then this amazing application to him that knows to do good and does it not to him, it is sin. So that's it. It's It's a real simple conjunctive answer. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Joel. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments or you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We'll see you next time.